Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. I am so excited that she is here. I have Brianna Rellis. And uh, Brianna is a Dallas-based strategy consultant, reality TV music coach, online course creator, podcast co-host, and best-selling author to make reality TV your reality. Most recently, um, she produced the first ever reality singing show summit to help independent performing artists prepare for and leverage the reality singing show platform to create momentum in their careers. Um, she's incredible. Her summit was amazing. I had the honor of speaking there and she, I have the honor of having her speak at our summit as well. So let's bring her right on. Hello. How's Hi. it going? I am so excited to hang out with you tonight. Me too. Me too. You and I met, um, while I was in the planning phases of my summit and we clicked right away. I knew instantly that I just liked you so much. And unfortunately my lineup was already like, Oh my solid. gosh. So I missed you the first time around, but this time you were one of the first people that I asked to speak at the summit. So you're so sweet. I love you. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, I saw, I saw your summit and I, I literally thought to myself, Oh, this is amazing. Like I, I did. I was like, I have to know who this, this girl is. Like I have to know who she is. And I was so excited to connect with you and, um, and have you speak at my summit back in February, which where are we at now? April, February, March, it's been a couple of months. We were previously talking about how, uh, post summit. Yes. We talked about post summit blues, but I was like, I literally feel like a huge truck hit me in the face and like laid me out. It was kind of a, it's just been a really interesting experience post, but man, it was a lot of fun. And it was, it was uh, a, a great experience, but also um, so rewarding. Oh my God. And I know that you probably feel the same way. I'm so excited about yours um, next month. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know exactly how you feel. It took me forever to recover from it. And, um, you know, it, it was not a bad thing, but it's just, you know, such a huge undertaking and you pour all your time and energy and just all of your imagination and creativity into it. And it goes by in a flash. And then after that, you just are kind of left in exhaustion. And, um, my brain didn't function properly for like a couple months after that. <laughs> And I yeah. said, I don't know if you said this, but I was like, well, that was one and done. You know, I'm not going to be doing that again, but it was super cool. It was wonderful. But then it hit me one day and I'm like, of course I'm doing another one. Of course. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. No, I mean, I think the following week I was already setting the date for 2022. <laughs> like I was in, like, I, I, I mean, it, for me, it was that realization that holy cow, like the, the response was so amazing, like mm -hmm. from the people who participated, the speakers, but then the attendees, like the types of responses that I got. I mean, I literally had responses that next weekend saying, Brianna, your summit helped me so much. I literally booked, um, this came from several people. I literally, I got on a show, like your summit gave me the confidence to get in, to go through the interview process mm -hmm. in such a way that I got cast, you know? And I was like, that's killer. Like, that's like, that's exactly what I wanted to give people is ultimately empowering them to make the decision whether a it's them for, or it's not. Cause we all know reality singing shows are not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Or if they think that it is for them, giving them the knowledge to prepare in a way that's super powerful so that they can give themselves the best chance possible to actually get on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. No, your, your summit, it was amazing. And, uh, one of my favorite things about your summit too, was that it was all live. 
mine in November had been pre-recorded just because I felt like that was a safer move, you know, for technology reasons and everything. Then I attended yours and the energy and the engagement was just, uh, you know, there's just nothing like it. And so this time around we're going all live. Yeah. I'll tell you, you got to get one of these. You got to get, and I'm wearing a necklace of it too. <laughs> it's selenite. Have you heard of selenite? No. This is a selenite stick. And Suze Polinski from the Rockstar Advocate is the one who turned me on to this stuff. Look, I will take every bit of like spiritual universal love oh. that I can get. <laughs> and apparently selenite is really great with technology. Like it clears out the space so that your technology can run smoothly. So I stick this puppy next to my computer every day when I work, but you better believe I had that next to it during the summit. Cause it was scary jumping from live interview to live interview to live interview on zoom. Yeah. There was actually at one point on day three where I think I was trying to get bought like zoom bombed. What do they call that? When like somebody oh, like just pops up. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it was weird. My assistant was like, it, it was like Chinese characters like like it wasn't even in english as an as a name coming in it was yeah. weird they totally got in but then they they like disappeared i don't know if zoom caught them or it, it was weird that anyway that's All my wild you have my wild zoom story yes exactly <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh well let's let's back up a little bit you know cool. pre-summits and everything so we'll back up to maybe shortly before this um, pandemic hit. Tell me what you had going on career-wise and um, how did the uh, pandemic impact you when it hit and quarantine and everything? And how, what's that transition been like for you? Yes. So let's see. Basically what happened was January came, I was super excited about the new year. And then about two weeks later, I got very sick. Uh, and I was sick for about three weeks. My husband swears I had COVID because mm -hmm. of I mean, we look back, and we're like, mm, maybe I did. Um, and then so then I started kind of coming back to life in February. But then February was like the worst month ever. So literally at the end of February, I remember posting a video, I have it on YouTube, and it's something like how to snap out of that February funk, like three your, three top tips for snapping out of that February funk, right? Okay. And I had been talking to all these people about how crappy February of 2020 was, like horrible. Like I, I can't even tell you how many people I talked to was like, what is up with February? This month has completely sucked, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what, that, that, that's it. Let's turn this stuff around. Like we gotta turn this around. So like I did this like motivational, like three tips, like give, you know, February the finger, you know, I'm mean, gonna say that, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. So I'm like pumping myself. I'm like, I got this, I got this. And then um, a few weeks later, we we all got shut down, you know? Uh, so it, it was pretty wild. It, you know, I have three kids. We've talked about this. We, we, um, we come together on this as moms in the industry and my children, you know, I was suddenly working from home. I was at a co-working space prior to March. So that changed. So suddenly everything moved here. Uh, my husband and I own a restaurant and then I'm in the music industry. So the restaurant industry and the music industry, mm. like, I mean, a lot of industries were hit hard, but the music industry and the restaurant industry were hit really, really hard. Yeah. Um, so, we were just juggling a lot and it definitely, I went into a good old, like let's like February funk was, <laughs> was peanuts to, to what happened between March and, you know, May. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely sort of downhill, which is not my personality, but what was happening, what was interesting was um, I was making a shift during that time. And I, a lot of people talk about this, like the opportunity that you have and many had during the pandemic to make a shift and they can call it, they pivoted or whatever they want to say, but there was mm -hmm. definitely a shift happening with me, but it, I don't think I realized that the shift, I, I didn't go, Oh, it's a pandemic. I'm going to make a shift. It, it had, I think that the wheels had already been, or the seeds had already been planted. It, it was just happening. Like okay. it was the perfect storm for it to, start going. And that is when I made the 
100% complete shift to change my complete like branding as uh, as a coach. Mm -hmm. So I I was a performing artist consultant. I always have done strategy. So strategy is like my my number one strength. It's the number one thing I help clients with uh, when it comes to like action plans of action and vision work and um, really just strategize strategizing, you know, everything from music releases to social media plans to ultimately what the heck are you trying to achieve in the next six months or next year or whatever it is. And then I'll take you, I'm so stinking meticulous and organized. It's just how my brain works. We will go and back it up and like lay out your whole plan for the next three months, six months, whatever it is to make sure you're getting to where you want to go. Because so many people, they don't do it. They just say, oh yeah, that would be nice. I want to by next, by next December, I want to be here. Yeah. But then they don't map out the road map or they don't map out the plan to get them there. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do with my clients and what I do for myself. But there's something inside of me that I get real passionate about because a lot of my clients, they're indie artists and a lot of them go on these reality singing shows. So I've been prepping artists for reality singing shows for years and I love it. It's so fun. And I was on a reality singing show. I was an American Idol back on season four. Mm -hmm. uh, when Carrie Underwood won. So I think it's really, really fun. And I also find it to be an interesting platform for artists to just have another opportunity or another audience, right, to expand message and brand and music to. So pandemic happened and I basically took the 100% all in, I'm officially a reality TV music coach. Like, I, I claimed it. I owned that in June. It, it took me up until about June or July to like actually publicly say, okay, I'm officially a strategy consultant and reality music, reality TV music coach. And, you know, people are like, well, what the hell is a reality TV music coach? You know, like, cause, but that's, that's how I do things. I'm like, well, there's not a performing artist consultant out there. So I'm going to call myself a performing artist consultant. Yeah. There's not this, I'll, I'll just do that, you know, because that's what I do. So I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm owning it. And um, at that point, I was also finalizing the, um, well, I, I launched two online courses during the pandemic. So that's something I just got to work. I just got really, really busy and started creating content. So I launched two online courses, the second of which was Make Reality TV Your Reality, which is my signature online course. And from that, I launched my best-selling book, um, Make Reality TV Your Reality. So it's all about um, basically, I'll just hold it up here because I can never remember the damn sub subtitle. Here's the book, Make Reality TV Your Reality, Crush Your Reality Singing Show Audition and Ignite Your Music Career. Oh, yeah. So became a bestseller on Amazon last fall. That was written during a pandemic. Love it. So that's, that's what I did during the pandemic. I just punched out a bunch of content, a bunch of online courses. This is actually my second book. My first book, I'm not trying to brag guys. I just want to, I want to show off these books because y'all can get them on yeah. Amazon. This is performing artist pathway. I'm like, where's the camera? Oh, there mm -hmm. it is. Navigate the highs and lows of your music journey. This was published in 2017. You can also find that on Amazon. Um, but when I, I got to tell you this, because when I wrote my first book, that's when everything opened up for me. I started getting invitations to speak at music festivals. I started getting um, clients that really wanted to work with me. And um, I, so I shifted from perform. I used to performance coach for bands, which mm -hmm. is so much fun. I love it. That's another reason why I've, I'm passionate about coaching people to go on reality singing shows. Cause I'm like, okay, you have to like, this is how you get the chair turned. Like I get in there with them. Um, but I went from performance and vocal coaching to just full on consulting okay. because of this book. And then I wrote my second book and I wrote it in half the time because I did it the first, I already knew how to do it. And you know, it just, I'm talking a lot. Sorry. It, it just, okay. I, I have to share this because this book performing artist pathway was written in 2017. Mm. I mean, a a lot has changed since I wrote this book, but a lot has changed because I wrote this book. So mm -hmm. if you're in the camp of thinking, uh, I've always wanted to write a book, 
And, uh, but I, I do, a, I don't know how, or, you know, or maybe you think I've never written a book or I think I should write a book because maybe it would also kind of like play into my career a little bit or whatnot. I'm telling you that. Yes, 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 it will. Books are really, really powerful like that. So, and it also gives you that crazy like confidence that you can absolutely do anything you put your mind to because it's, it's like the summit. The, the, the summit is a huge production. Yeah. But once you get through it, you're like, Oh my God, I did that. Yeah. Like, seriously, <laughs> Holy cow. I can do anything. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that, that was kind of, I, I had a lot of big plans for 2020. Um, I actually was going to relaunch performing arts pathway. That was my big plan. I was going okay. to do like a version two and relaunch it. I actually, I'll be honest. I didn't think I had a second book in me anytime soon. Um, so the pandemic really shifted that I was going to do audiobook and second version of performing artist pathway. And then everything changed. And mm -hmm. now I have, you know, you, as you said, I did the reality singing show summit back in February. Well, I did a huge launch last fall as a reality TV music coach with my online course, with the book, all the things like when the book came out, I did a massive, massive launch that included um, the course and the trainings and all the fun things. And so that was kind of the beginning of like really branding myself in the reality TV music space. And then after the summit, I'm like, well, that, that sealed the deal. Like the reality singers, like everyone, not everyone, but people will continue or down the road start to know, okay, if I'm preparing for a reality singing show, I got to call Brianna mm -hmm. because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help as many stinking people as I can because I see too many people go on those show, those shows and they're not prepared. Right. And they lose, they miss massive opportunities to like leverage the platform, like huge opportunities. Yeah. And I, it makes me nuts. Yeah. Oh my anyway. God. Well, I want to, I want to jump more into that, but I want to know more about you because I think we may have been separated at birth or something <laughs> because you are just, you're so my kind of girl. I love it so much. You mentioned um, that your strength is strategy, uh, which I love. And I was curious to know, I can't remember if I've asked you this before, but um, have you done the Clifton Strengths Assessment? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. We're about to nerd out here big time. What are <laughs> your top five strengths? Okay. So my five strengths are... Number one, strategic. Okay. Number two, I'm a learner, which you're probably a learner too. I am. <laughs> Number three, I'm an achiever. Four is positivity. And five is a maximizer. Wow. And I talk about, and I, and I use that word maximize in a lot of my stuff because it's literally what I do. I literally look at every single situation and I'm like, how can we squeeze the most juice out of this? How can we like pull this out? How, you know, how can we go on a reality singing show and make the absolute most maximize and leverage the snot out of it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's totally how I coach. So yeah. it's really, really funny, but, um, the achiever part always kind of made me feel like, ah, am I really, but I am, I'm going to, I have to just own it, you know? It, but I think it's like, I think it bothered me. The word bothered me because I'm like, I'm not achieving because I feel like I have to, or because I'm trying to outdo anybody. I'm, I'm achieving because it, it fills me up. It, it makes me feel on fire. It makes me excited about life, mm -hmm. you know? And I, God, when I'm, when I'm not working on a project or towards something, I'm a little lost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For, for uh, those that are watching, if you don't know, uh, Clifton Strengths is this uh, really brilliant um, assessment that you go through. And it basically um, shows you or categorizes what your top strengths are. And you can study basically, you know, how those can work in your favor and the shadow side of them too. And um you mentioned achiever. I have achiever in my top five too. And it is such an interesting thing because that is something that I almost kind of carried, I don't know, shame around for, for 
uh, a lot of years because I, you know, you're just wired driven to do those things. And the, the, uh, the achievement, the, um, acknowledgement, everything that comes with achieving is so, so important. Um, and I kind of thought that that was a negative trait about me that like, you know, why can't you just chill out and be happy and, you know, yeah. but then, um, <laughs> but then, you know, you, you learn so much about yourself and, you know, when you can really own it, then it becomes amazing. And, you know, you know, the, the drawbacks of the shadow side of it and can kind of keep those things in check. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, anything in my life I neglect now, I say, um, I, I try to think of it, I, I reframe it. How can I achieve in this area? Ooh, <laughs> it's a very useful. Wow, yeah. that is a very interesting flip the script type tactic. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. I, my top five are learner, input, achiever, relater, and harmony. Oh. And so my top two and my, my four and five are very similar. So they basically double down on each other. And it's really interesting. That is, that is so funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I took this, that, that, what is it? Assessment mm -hmm. years ago. And I'm like, I wonder if it would be any different, but honestly, like everything on there to me is so accurate, mm -hmm. you know, and a friend of mine, she's really, really into the Clifton strengths. Like she's, she's analyzed like the full report and, mm -hmm. um, she works with clients as well. And she actually brings those into kind of her coaching as well. But, um, yeah, she had told me one day, she goes, if you take your five, your top five Clifton strengths, and apparently the one in the five they like go off of each other really strong. You know what I mean? So, and if you can, you basically are maximizing the five strengths. If you can like, for you harmoniously tie them all together and like, really like, like bring them out, then you're like in your sweet magic money spot. Yes. You know, like that's, that's the whole point. It's like, if you can like really play into your strengths, um, that's exactly where you need to be. Yeah. And I was just thinking that Brianna, that you are, everything that you're doing is completely in alignment with what your strengths are. And, and when you can like, when you can lean into them, that is like, it's your zone of genius. And it's like, you're just on fire. You can't be stopped. Everything works. And I can look back at my biggest, um, successes, or I can look back at times in my life when I was really at my best. And I can see how all five of those strengths were like heavily in play at that time. I can then look back at some of my failures, or, you know, problems that I had in life. And I can see where a strength or two was really missing from that scenario and could have ultimately been like, you know, the downfall of those situations. So it's, it's a really fascinating study. I, I love it. I love yes, it. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Whoever, if you're, if you're tuning in right now, I think you can, you can take it. If you just Google Clifton strengths, mm -hmm. um, or the Gallup, like, uh, G A L L U P Gallup yeah. strengths or whatever Gallup report. Yeah. Then you can, grab yours, but it's worth it. It is. It, it is. is. I like it. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then you want everybody in your inner circle to be taking it so that you can try to figure them out. And <laughs> it's kind of like, what's that, um, that number system that everyone got all like obsessed oh, with. Oh, the Enneagram. Yes. They're like, what are you? Yes. Oh, I, I know what you are. Oh wait, but I'm not supposed to say that because you're supposed to self-diagnose what you are. That's right. You know? <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know what I am. So it says I'm a three, but maybe I'm actually this or a this with that wing or right this with too, the wing. It's too complicated for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've tried to read that book a couple of times, actually. It is fascinating. I'll give them that. It's fascinating, but it's complicated. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, we we'll have to nerd out on that um a little bit more off uh for sure. So, but, um, so, well, let's, let's get into your background a little bit. Tell me a little bit about, um, your musical journey, kind of how you got started out and, and kind of what led you to current day endeavors. Yeah. So 
musical theater nerd, grew up uh, going to community theater because growing up, that was the avenue. There weren't, you know, artist development programs on every corner like there are today. Um, and so musical theater was the avenue that I took to to do music. Mm -hmm. And I was just singing at a really young age. Um, I know you and I have talked about this because you realized one of my childhood dreams, which is to go on star search. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I watched star search religiously, but the other show that I watched religiously was the Mickey mouse club. Yes. And so when I was in, I auditioned a couple of times when I was in like fifth, I think fifth or sixth grade, I auditioned and didn't get very far. But then the second time I auditioned, I was in seventh grade mm -hmm. and I made it to like the top 10 of Dallas. And from that 10, they chose two to go to Orlando. Jessica Simpson was one of the two. Mm, okay. And she and I went to rival high school. So we sat next to each other while we were waiting, you know, chit chat. She's very, she was actually very sweet. Um, but I was seventh grade. Like I was too old They, I mean, they were, I think, I think I was 13 at that point. I think they were looking for like between 10 at the youngest, but they were looking for like 11 and 12 year olds, you yeah. know, at that point. Um, but you know, I was always looking for opportunities like that. And it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be famous. It was just, I love to sing. And I just wanted an opportunity to do fun things as it related to music and singing. So um, I continued to do musical theater. I graduated from high school, went to Pepperdine University, uh, University did musical theater at Pepperdine, lived in LA for 10 years. Um, my oldest daughter, who's now 15, was born in LA. And when she was two, my husband and I relocated back to my hometown of Dallas, Texas. So, um, but my husband's family is still in Thousand Oaks, LA area. And all my best friends uh, from like two, my, my two best friends from college are in LA slash Anaheim area. So we go back often. Mm -hmm. And, um, but after Pepperdine, I got burnt out of musical theater knew that singing was my first love. And um, I actually took a little break and partied uh, a little too hard for about a year and a half and completely lost sight of like everything that I was ever out in LA to do in the first place, which is, yeah. I think it happens to a lot of people. I call it, it, happens. it I happens. call it lost in la la land. I literally mm -hmm. was waiting tables. Cause you know, I had to give myself an opportunity to audition. I was doing commercial radio voiceovers. I actually got an agent. Like I got a really good agent. But I totally pissed away the opportunity, yeah. um, which is unfortunate. But, you know, you live and you learn. So I was making myself available to audition for VO while waiting tables. But every single day after waiting tables, I would we were on the beach. We we're in Malibu. So I would just go get a pina colada at the bar and go sit, you know, on the patio watching the Pacific. You know, yeah. this happened every day for a year. I'm not lying. I, I tell people that the year that I graduated college, I was inebri inebriated. Uh, for an entire year, like can relate to that. Yeah. Drunk for a year. <laughs> yeah. But thankfully I had a wake up call. I tell people this all the time. I had a wake up call. Thank God. I'm so thankful for that. And, um, I started getting back on the right path. And at the time American Idol was, was starting to take off and I auditioned for American Idol about three different times before I finally got uh, my golden ticket. Mm -hmm. And I, I made it to like top 100 of American Idol. Um, and then royally screwed up, but you know, that's a whole other story. You can get my book if you want to read that story. Um, and after that I was depressed like most people. Cause I actually believe, like I tell people, I, I believe that that was my last shot. Like, mm -hmm. like American idol. This is my last, like I was 22, maybe 22, 23 years old. You know, I'm not 21 anymore, so I'm washed up in the music industry. I'm not young anymore, and this is my last shot, and I blew it, right? So I was super depressed, and I thought, well, I'm done. Music's not for me. I guess I'm, ne I'm never going to get another shot. And then shortly after that, I got pregnant with my first daughter. So then I really thought that I had lost my opportunity. Like, well, now uh, I lost my opportunity in American Idol, and I'm pregnant with my first daughter, like, there's no way that why, why would anybody want to, 
um, to watch like a mom perform a mom. Like that's not cool or sexy. (laughs) So I believe that stupid life for a while. And then, you know, again, in Vegas, after the baby's born, my husband's like, Brianna, if you don't, if you don't do music and some start performing, start singing, start songwriting again, like you need to be doing music. And if you don't do it, you're going to make yourself crazy. And and you're also gonna make me crazy as well. And I had been super depressed and I, I didn't know why, you know, and I realized, oh, it's because music is my lifeline. Yeah. And I, I thought I didn't need it. I didn't realize how absolutely important music was to my, um, to how I navigated life and lived, you know, like that connection is just so many people take it for granted. They don't under, they underestimate how powerful it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started gigging around town. I formed a band. I was at the house of blues at least like maybe like three months later. Like I just got it together. I'm like, you know what, let's go. So formed a band, started gigging around town. Um, and then three babies later, I was like, okay, that was fun. Like I would rather be coaching right now. So I still songwrite. I'm actually going to be going back in studio this year. I'm going to be releasing a single. Um, my first original single I've been songwriting for years, but I've never put out original music. Mm. Um, I've got several covers that you can catch on iTunes, Spotify and our Brianna Rellis. Um, and they're actually really great covers. I have a bossa Nova, a really cool bossa Nova twist on Gnarls Barkley's crazy. Mm, um, that's okay. pretty fun, but I've never put out original music. So I'm like, you know what? Bucket list item. It's happening. That was supposed to happen in 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. So that didn't happen, but it's going to happen in 2021. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, that's the long story of the, the journey. And like, again, like one of the things I always tell people is like, I thought that that idol experience was my last shot, right? That, that, that was an end. And really that American idol story is actually what marks the beginning in a way, because Mm -hmm. it's the beginning of me creating this whole brand and career for myself that I thought that that was a lousy experience. I totally royally screwed it up all the things. Right. And then it turns out to be like a defining point of my life where I learned so much that now I'm able to take what I learned and empower others um, to have different experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get more into that. Tell me um, in your practice with coaching singers through this, what do you feel are the, uh, the biggest misperceptions that they come to you with? Like, obviously one of them is that, you know, all your eggs are in that basket, that that's the end all be all. Yes. Yes. So one of them would be that, that they think that like, this is my last shot, you know, because ultimately I always tell artists like this is simply an opportunity. That's all it is. It's an opportunity. Excuse me. It's an opportunity. And should you get on the show and get some television time? It's a really good opportunity because then you're actually putting your, your brand, your music, your message, your heart, your light, like into homes, millions of homes, you know, where people can discover you for the first time. And you better be ready for that. Like that, to me, that's the goal. The goal is not necessarily to win the show. The goal is just to get as much TV on camera time as possible. Meanwhile, networking, making connections, experiencing it, you know, it to its fullest, right? Like I say, I always say, squeeze the most juice you can out of that experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a misconception. I think another misconception is I, I like to put it this way. Um, reality singing shows aren't for real musicians. I feel like that's a misconception okay. because I think sometimes reality singing shows can get like a bad rap, like, because they feel people think they're scripted, fake, um, People think that the producers and the editors are just trying to make them look like jerks or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I knew the editor of American Idol. He's a good friend of mine. He was on the show for 14 seasons, 12 seasons. I don't know. I have to look at my book. I actually inter- interviewed him. But like, ultimately, if you're a jerk, then you're going to come across as a jerk on television. Yeah. But if you're humble and kind, like 
you're not, they're not going to just like suddenly make you into the jerk. Like they're going to amplify what you bring to them. Right. So, and they're also, if their show doesn't look good, like that doesn't bode well for them. Right. So ultimately they want, they want singers to succeed on their show because that's a good look for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and as far as like the whole real musicians statement, you know, I think, I think it's more of a mindset thing. I, I think that among peers and among community, like of, of musicians and artists, I think that some people could care less what other musicians and artists think about them or what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But a, a lot of artists are like, yeah, but what will they think about me? Like, will they take me seriously? Will they take me seriously? Think about the guy who's been gigging. You know, one of my clients, his name is Joe James. He's been, he lives in Austin. He's been performing. He's, he has several uh, EPs. He just released his 30 P. He's excellent. Okay. He's so good. He's been performing all around Austin for years. And, and before that in Southern California, um, he, Austin is pretty, when it comes to, you know, the musician and artist community there, they're pretty tight knit, but they're also like, they're pretty proud, you know? Yeah. So Joe was a little afraid or concerned, like, well, are they going to, are they going to take me seriously if I go on the voice? Sure. You mm -hmm. know, because yeah. it's almost like you got to save face a little bit. Like, oh, like you're selling out. Oh man, you sold out. You went on the reality scene. You're like you're selling out, you know? Mm -hmm. But to me, that's just, hogwash like it's just ridiculous because at the end of the day like i said it's an opportunity it's that's all it is and if your goal is to get your music in front of as many people as you possibly can and you get an opportunity to go on a show where you could potentially get it in front of millions of people why wouldn't you do that like yeah. to me because the thing is no one's trying to make you be anything you're not but that's up to you right that's up to the artist to prepare in advance the narrative that they want that show to spin, mm -hmm. who they are as an artist, knowing that very, very clearly before they walk, before they even walk through the audition doors, mm -hmm. um, their story, right? That's part of that narrative that I'm talking about. Like there's all of these little components that, it, that are really instrumental to a, a positive experience, but it requires that pre-work and it requires really understanding, okay, what, how am I going to best prepare so that I, so that I can be who I am like authentically on that show mm -hmm. and be presented appropriately, like in the right light, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know what? I'm, um, let's break that down a little bit more because I know that that was really, that was a strong theme and common thread throughout your summit that a lot of the speakers talked about that one of the, one of the most important, you know, pre preparing that you can do for the show is, really having a good, um, solid idea of, you know, who you are as an artist, who you are as a person and, and, you know, how to, um, how to kind of come across authentically. Um, what do you say to somebody who is so young and so new in the business? I mean, as artists, you know, it's, it's a lifelong journey trying to figure yourself out, you know, how yeah. does someone so young, um, pull those concepts together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a great question. I know one of the things that I share is that when I was doing the show, I had no idea who I was as an artist. All I knew was that I liked to sing. I loved to sing. I was straight off the musical theater boat. Um, I'm pretty sure one of the judges asked me if I did musical theater, you know, like, cause I was like, hi, I'm Brianna Drellis, you know, or Brianna Fideli. I wasn't even Drellis then, but it's like, and today I've prepared Christina Aguilera, you know, or whatever, like anyway. So I didn't know who I was. Um, and what I tell artists, even when they're young is that nowadays, that's not going to cut it. It's just not because there's too many people who audition for these shows. And I'm not going to say they know exactly who they are, but they have a pretty strong idea of their leanings, what their, the type of voice, the type of voice that they have, but also the types of songs that 
they can thrive in, the, the type mm -hmm. of vibe, the type of songs they want to sing, the type of artist they want to be. Um, cause it's more than just like understanding what songs to choose. And it's also about like your look and your brand and things like that. And a lot of times let's be clear, like they have wardrobe on these shows. Everyone knows that, but on the voice, for example, they actually have you bring in pieces of your own wardrobe that they take into consideration. And then they're like, okay, we'll take that. Oh, and then we'll just add this and then we'll put this and then, you know, yeah. so like there is, there is an element of like, they're wanting to know what you're bringing to the table as well. And for these mm -hmm. young artists, um, with the way that I coach them and what I work through and, and it's not just young artists because older artists are still trying to figure out who they are too. Sure. Um, is really just starting simple and just thinking about, okay, well, what do, what is your friends and family or people who come to see you at gigs? Like, who do they say you remind them of mm -hmm. or who, like, who do they compare you to? Like, not, not that you're an exact replica and you don't want to be, but like your vibe, your sound, the way that, the way that you made them feel, mm -hmm. what did that remind them of? And if no one's ever asked you, then you need to start asking them. You mm -hmm. need to start asking questions. And sometimes it's as easy as calling up your best friend and saying, yo, like you've seen me perform live. Do, do I remind you, are there any artists that you can think of or any, like, is there anything that what I do remind, you know, just to see mm -hmm. what the answers are. And, and like your, your sister and your mom and your best friend may not be the best person to choose. Like, I feel like it's better to get more of a outsider's perspective or a fan or, you know, or someone who shows up to all your gigs that, you know, you appreciate. And in fact, you can tell them like, Hey, you know, I so appreciate that you show up to, to so many of my shows. I'm just curious, what is it about my show that you enjoy? Like, yeah. what do you hear that make, like, how does it make you feel? Or did it, once you start getting like pieces of that, I think that's a really great way to, to start honing in on your brand, on your vibe. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for, for young, young artists who don't have these opportunities to be gigging out and doing things like that. I just have them start with, you know, when you're writing music or when you're listening to music, if you, if you had fans, who else would your fans be listening to? Right. You know, yeah. who else would they be gravitating towards? Um, and do some brand modeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. we don't need another Adele or, you know, like I love, 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 love singing Adele, but mm -hmm. I am not Adele, nor do we need another Adele. Like she's Adele. Yeah. But you know, it's like people ask me what my vibe, my, my vibe is. And it's like, uh, it took me forever to figure that out. So yeah, it's, it's definitely hard, but at the end of the day, whatever you choose, like whatever direction it is, like just be confident in it and own it and keep it consistent. Like, don't walk in and say I'm country. And then the next week, suddenly you're like, Oh, you know what? I actually, I'm pop. I'm not country. I'm pop. And then the next mm -hmm. week it's like, Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm country Nashville country. Cause that's kind of poppy now anyway. Like, like, yeah, you know, like just the consistency piece is really important. Yeah. I can see that. Um, that's probably got to be, um, you know, really, really tough for young singers who haven't figured any of that out, who her, you know, kind of sing whatever genre, because there's so many of us out there that just, we just want the opportunities to sing, you know, any, any platform that we can get is great. We'll do anything for it. And I could see if you're in that mind frame and you do get on one of these shows that you could be walking into it saying, um, you guys tell me what I am, you know, yeah. you tell me what I can sing I the can phone book. Sing. Yeah. I'll sing whatever you want me to just, you know, help me figure all of that out. But, um, yeah, it just seems like it, it, it is such a good practice, no matter how, you know, young you are, no matter how old you are to start identifying those things. It's, it's just a good, you know, life exercise to do that in general to, yeah. um, you know, understand yourself better. And, um, I was curious to think, 
what do you think of um, like an indie artist who maybe already has a bit of an established following? Don't you think that they can look at their audience and find some of those attributes just in the collective of their audience? You could see a lot of, you know, people are gravitating to you for um, a reason. So you might look at your audience and be like, you know, wow, everybody here seems to be um, into skateboarding or something, you know, or they, sure. they kind of have that SoCal vibe to them or their uh, surfer you know. vibe or yeah. yeah, no, no, no. That's actually a really great point. Like I'll reference Joe one more time, but <laughs> so, and this is, I mean, this is an example just because I mean, Joe, when we first started working together, I want to say he was probably like 30 and he had already released several EPs, but he had never really done the groundwork of establishing these like foundational pieces like these marketing strategies that really are foundations for your music career um, if you want something sustainable right so I was taking him through these exercises and I was we were just drilling down on who his fans are and who they are I'm like well can you describe who they are and he's like huh never even thought about that and I'm thinking you have two EPs out and you're gigging every single weekend like how could you have not you know what I mean but so many artists don't take the time to like really drill down on their brand, mm -hmm. what makes up their brand and their messaging and then identifying their fan, ideal fan. So this is so crazy. So he is like soul blues, kind of like Motown funk, soul blues type guy, right? Mm -hmm. um, he says that his audience is He's, he's got, he feels like he has more of like the Facebook crowd, like, uh, ages between like the moms and dads or like the empty nesters, like okay. ages between 35 to 55 or 60 years old travelers, wine drinkers, and like nice scotch, like people at his, at his gigs like to order like a nice, you know, scotch or whatever. Right. Oh, and he said white. He goes, yeah. a bunch of white dudes who want to <laughs> listen to soul and Motown music drinking scotch. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, okay, can you please get them on your email list so that they can start buying your merch and mm -hmm. everything else that you're doing for your Patreon? Like, if you're telling me that that's your demo, mm -hmm. like, you have true music supporters who actually have expendable income who they show up at all your shows and they want to support you. Like, can you please put together a GoFundMe for your next project? Right. You know, yeah, but yeah. if he would have never done that legwork to identify who they are, he would have never been able to invite them to be a part of his journey in a bigger way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. like, and that, that was a huge shift for him because he had never looked at it that way. He didn't want to bug them or he didn't want to ask them for things. But what so many artists don't understand is like, no, they're there for a reason. They want to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. They want to see you. They, they want to keep seeing you perform live. Yeah. And they also want to be a part of it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that is such a, um, it's such a, I think a lifelong struggle for a lot of artists is trying to avoid, um, go selling out, you know, or, or, you know, trying to be too commercial or trying to be anything other than what you are. And this is exactly what that exercise is, is because, you know, your, your following is coming to see you because they like you precisely the way you are. And it's really just fishing out what are those little things about you that you just, you don't really even know. I mean, they may, like the way you dress, they may like the way you walk, they may like the way you tell jokes, you know, or just, you know, what your banter is on stage or um, how you are with other people, so many factors into it. It's, you know, it's not something you're going to figure out overnight, but, you know, it's something as an artist, you really need to be conscientious of. And um, uh, Tim Moore is in the comments, I want to call him out and thank him for jumping in. And um, he says that identity, if there is one message, every judge repeats time after time, it's that it's the artist's opportunity to figure out who and what they are as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 
it, it's just, and you know what? I think that, I, and I have seen this where a lot of artists will go on the show and they think like they're just now kind of coming into their own. And then by the end of the show, because they have an opportunity to explore it like deeply because mm -hmm. they're constantly singing, they're constantly creating, you know, op having opportunities to sing different songs. And so it's almost like the evolution um, and the time and opportunity that they get, especially on this like massive production, mm -hmm. like it, it kind of helps them almost accelerates, like gets them to where they, where they're headed. Right. Mm -hmm. um, as far as their artistry and brand is concerned. I mean, not, that I think happens even more so after the show, because when you don't have all of that behind you, then you're stuck to go, okay, well, wait, but who I, who am I, who, who do I want to be? Right. Cause the show's over. The show will end whether you win or not. Eventually it will end. Right. Mm -hmm. So then it's up to you to take the momentum. And if you prepared in advance, you'll be ready for it and kind of ride the wave, but also, use it as a springboard for your music career and leverage those relationships and the networking that you just did and just the experience in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, but that's like with any opportunity, don't you agree? Any opportunity that you have, whether it's a gig, you, you go to that gig, you do your best. Maybe you meet, maybe you make a couple of connections at night. Maybe you get someone's card who says, Hey, I'm, I really want to host a, an event at my house, like a private party or living room performance or da da. We'd love to like, awesome. This gig just turned into three more gigs. Perfect. But you have to seek out those opportunities. If you're on stage, yeah, you know, I've heard you talk about this. It's like, you have to be gracious, right? You have your performance. And what are you going to do? Just like not acknowledge all the people who just showed up. No, you're going to go walk around. You're going to thank people and you're going to say hello and you're going to make some connections and maybe take some cards and maybe um, look people in the eye and say hello, you know, yeah. Yeah, and that's absolutely. how, and that's how it works. Yeah. You're, you're, you're speaking to a subject that is so near and dear to my heart that I love to, you know, I love to talk about in my own practice, which is, you know, those little tiny seeds. Now, now going on a reality TV show, that is like, that's a, that's a big ass seed, right? There. That's a I mean, big one. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's a wonderful opportunity, but you know, not everybody gets that opportunity. Yeah. Um, not everybody wants that opportunity. So it's those smaller seeds that we go out and sow. Um, it's treating the little gigs like, like they're the best gigs and they're the last gigs. It's, it's like treating that one or two people that showed up, you know, taking really good care of them, taking really good care of those people who are paying attention to you. And those little tiny opportunities that come up, especially if you don't have anything going on, you take, you take what is available and, you know, use it as a, as a springboard because, Ultimately, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And that has so much to do with the relationships that you cultivate in the business and um, your reputation, how people experience you, how you're showing up. Uh, it means it means so, so much. And, you know, I, I, I'm living proof of it. I look back at my own, you know, my own career and I can see those little tiny opportunities that I took advantage of. And then I can see the timeline of relationships that formed out of it. So yes. amazing, right? Yeah, it really, really I always is. say that one to hear, to hear, to hear, to hear, to hear wherever it's taking you, it's taking you somewhere. Yeah. But you yeah. gotta, you gotta look for them. You gotta keep your eyes open, right? They're all around you. I think a lot of people, they're just not, they're not being aware, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? They're, like you're getting signs all the time. Right. Yeah. You know, and a little, um, a little example of this is, you know, I do, I mean, I do lots of little side gigs. It's just, you know, part of my business. And, and I, I took a gig doing a memorial service not that long ago. And it was a small little gathering, you know, safely distanced and all, all of that. But, um, you know, it wasn't some like big sold out thousand people, you know, out in the crowd type thing. It was something small, but I showed up there with my whole heart into it, 
you know, knowing that, you know, I may sing here and never see these people again for as long as I live, but that's okay. Showed up, did my thing. Um, but I happened to meet one of the um, administrative people on my way out that books bands and books acts to come in and entertain for, you know, the venue that I was at. And it's just, you just have to keep your eyes open for those opportunities because they're all around you. They're all around you. If you just keep your, keep your eyes open and your mouth open, yeah. you got to talk, you got to open your mouth and say something. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so true. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I, I love the work that you're doing. I am going to post one more time here in the comments, um, your links. Uh, I'm going to link to your website because I know yeah. everything you have to offer is up there. Um, you've got a bestseller on Amazon that everybody can check out. Um, if this is, you know, something you want more information on. And if you have the opportunity to work with, um, Brianna, she's, a wonderful person and somebody you definitely want to get to know. Um, besides going to your website, where where do you hang out in social media most? Yeah, so um, I'm more so on Instagram at Brianna Rellis Music. So my website is BriannaRellisMusic.com, which I think you're probably putting in the um, chat. Mm -hmm. But Brianna Rellis Music is on Instagram. And um, if you go to my website, there's a freebie there that walks it's the it's actually a audition checklist for reality singing shows but what i want to share with you if reality singing shows are not your thing is that part of this checklist is about creating and crafting your core brand story which as an artist everyone needs right whether you're pitching new music and you need to put this in your press release or you know pitching press or whatever that is so i take you through i actually inside my online course have more of a like six or seven part um question system to craft your core brand story. But I have four questions outlined inside this printable, um, which will at least get you started, right? Because ultimately, you're trying to create a consistent, compelling core brand story. And so inside that freebie, if you go to my website at briannarellismusic.com, you can grab that and um, get started on crafting yours because it's really, really important. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. And I want to call out um, Chuck Phillips in the comments too. He says, amen, ladies, you are speaking the truth. And uh, Chuck is a wonderful saxophone player, one of the top oh. horn players here in San Diego. So he knows what he's talking about. He's had a long, you know, very successful career. And it's just, you know, the proof is in the pudding with that stuff. But oh, I love it. That's amazing. And um, I will say, I will, I will put this bug in your ear, guys, if you're listening. June 7th through the 10th, I'm doing a free reality singing show boot camp. So it's literally going to be an hour each day. And I'm going to go through some of the top things that you can do to prepare for your reality singing show um, audition and experience. So that might be something you want to save the date for. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Very and I can't good. wait for yeah. your summit next month. I cannot wait to speak at it. I'm super pumped. Yeah, if you want to hear more from Brianna, she will be speaking at the summit. And what's great is that we're going to have a live Q&A session. So you can, you know, jump on and ask the questions that you have and, you know, get to know her process a little bit better. But um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking Yay. the time to do this. I know it's a little bit later in your area, but um, it's really been awesome getting to know you. I'm so, so glad that we connected. And I want to say one more thing just about <laughs> you and, you know, how, uh, how I love your communication style. Um, when you first connected to me, you sent me some voice memos um, in my DMs and which I thought was like awesome because I got to hear your voice. I got to hear like the excitement in your voice and, um, you know, not enough people do that because honestly, a lot of DMS that I get, I just, eh, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't catch my attention that much. Right. But yours did. And I'm so glad that, you know, that is, um, uh, that you oh <laughs> well i'm glad that you didn't just delete it it could have just been massive spam but no i i mm. actually i do i love doing that and i think sometimes it's just like this would be so much easier for me to just like yeah record and and i do really believe that it's when you're communicating with your heart right 
it doesn't always translate via text. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. That's why picking up like this type of thing, either a Zoom conversation or just a telephone conversation when you can connect the voice and the energy and it's just, it translates so much, so much better. And, and I, I knew I wanted to connect with you. I was uh, really looking forward to getting to know you better. And I was, I just, at that point, I was just really, really impressed with everything that you're doing with your summit. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. So thank you for, Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career. Thanks so much for joining.